Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. Indie Game Business is recorded live on Mixer and produced by the Powell Group. Check us out at IndieGame.Business. Now, let's start the show with your hosts, Jay Powell and me, Indy. That's, wow. I can't. I, I don't. I can't do it. I just don't. I, I can't do the heat. You can only take off so much clothes before people start complaining. That's the problem. You know, I can't. I can put coats on. I can handle that part. I, I do. I do agree with you. Like I completely agree with you, man. So, I, I was. I was getting into the the prep for launch stuff. So, have you got a Discord server? What have you been doing, or have you been doing anything at this point to to market and promote the game? Oh, I'm yes, hundred percent. Like I've been contact recently. I've been contacting every single tech magazine I can think of, and I have not received any response yet. Uh, I I'm not reaching out to YouTubers yet because the, uh, the demo is not fully done to however I want it to be. So gameplay wise, I'm holding off on it. But on the other aspects, for example, I'm sharing all the development through Instagram stories, posts, videos. Uh, the social media channels are all active, but I, I don't know. I'm just reaching a bit of a dead end when it comes to what do I do with the people? I send them to get the wish list done on Steam, which I launched maybe two weeks ago along with a trailer, and I have about 100 wish lists now, which is pretty low. But that's not so, bad. I don't know. My aim is to have at least 5,000 wish lists. No, a couple of months, not weeks. So. Oh, I thought you said okay. <laughs> You're still, I mean, you here. Here's the but, thing. Uh, it, Go ahead. No, I, I thought you. I thought you were. I thought I interrupted you. It's lag. No, no, no. Just go. Okay, so I mean, with your followers, with your wish list, all of this stuff. I mean, you have to start somewhere. I mean, like, look at our our, our Discord server. For example, it's like Indy told me when we started the Twitch show, it's been two years. Have we been doing this two years, Indy? Oh, um, no. Like, I've got gray hairs now. You had gray hair when we started. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> just now the gray hairs came out. Like, just now. <laughs> Indy yeah. had gray hairs. That's what it is. The, it, it's, it, IGB actually stands for Indy Graybeard. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> think about that oh uh, the it was like we got a twitch channel now you, you got to get a discord server and i'm like what the hell do we need a discord server there's like eight people watching us on twitch and now there's like 1200 people on you know the discord server and so it, it's one of those where you always have to start somewhere and you know i talk to developers and we talk about you know their social media footprint because that's one of the things that publishers are going to want to know it's like how many wish lists do you have? How big is your Instagram following? How many Twitter followers, Facebook, all that sort of good I stuff. I see. So th these questions are actually quite important to a publisher, yeah? Yeah. I mean, we get, so two or three years ago, you know, if, if I took a game to a publisher and I'm like, and here's their Steam page and they're in early access, they would have been like, no, done, finished. You know, and we still get okay. publishers. We had a publisher like that yesterday. You know, they said, well, the game's already been launched. It's like, no, it hasn't. It's in early access. So <laughs> you, you still have, 
publishers who consider early access a launch and they don't want to touch anything after it's already been launched because they feel like they've lost the opportunity to to market it and position it in the market and i see i see that's well and fine you know that i don't agree personally and a lot of other publishers don't agree because you know now we send stuff out and you know, one of the first questions we get back is, so how many wish lists do they have? Are they, do they have a Discord server? How many people are on it? How many followers they have? So, you know, one of the things that we always recommend developers put in their pitch deck is, you know, what we call the social media footprint. You know, how, how big is okay. your community around this? Because that shows the publisher, there's a following for this. There's interest in doing this. It's not something we're just doing in a vacuum. And so that's where makes complete sense. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, you know, your question on where to point them, point them to Discord, start a Discord server, point them all to Discord. And well, get to Discord then you can point do all kinds of things. You can like give uh, closed, closed access to people that are on Discord just because they're on Discord. You can offer perks. Uh, we got a question here from Nightwolf real quick, Jay. Do publishers see early access slash alpha testing on itch.io as greatly different from an early access page on Steam? That is for you, Jay. Yeah, they do. Because, I mean, for better or for worse, a lot of publishers don't take itch seriously. You know, it's they don't look at it as a major means of distribution in the first place. So... If I go, if I take the same game to the same publishers, but I'm, you know, A-B testing it and saying, okay, look, this one's already playable on itch and this one's already playable on early access, I'll get more pushback about the early access than I will itch because they don't, they don't look at it as a, as a major competitor. I mean, look how many, how many publishers do you know? that actually release all their games that are on Steam on itch as well. Not many at all. So it, it's not nearly as big a deal when they, when it comes time to publish and all that sort of stuff, or when they come in, they may want you to pull it from itch. So it doesn't cannibalize sales somewhere else uh, or for any other you know variety of reasons. But no, it's, it's I have never had a publisher tell me, we don't want to look at it because it's already on itch where I have had them tell me they don't want to look at it because it's already on early access. That's not saying they won't and I won't find somebody like that, but I haven't had it to this point in my career. Crickets. So, um, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never thought of itch honestly. So did you, you, I'm not sure if releasing is such a good idea as the alpha. And you said that the publishers don't take it very seriously. Like, is it because it doesn't have a huge, like, uh, bait system? Yeah, they they don't feel like they're losing, you know, enough sales to it to really take it seriously. And, oh, okay, okay. You know, the, the flip side of that is, you know, it 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 is a a really good way to get feedback from from players because I mean, <clears throat> one of the things that we have seen in the last six to nine months now is, you know, a big concern among indie developers that without things like packs and 
you know, dream hack, which are, you know, much more focused on the consumer side, they don't have the opportunity to get their game in front of players and they don't get that feedback that they get watching somebody sit there and play. And things like mm -hmm. itch and early access and streaming in general is a good way to get that feedback, you know, when, when you're not going to a show. Because you've got to keep in mind, you know, even if you're showing your game at PAX or, or DreamHack, it's not like you're getting a giant cross-section of the industry. You're getting a, you know, very focused niche of a global industry that is based on gamers in that general area for that show, not something that has global distribution like, like itch. So it's a, I look at it as a good way of, you know, getting feedback and, and getting some player input. Uh, but it's not, like I said, I'm, I'm sure there are publishers out there who are completely opposed to picking up something based on it's been launched on itch because quite frankly, there's publishers out there that are completely opposed to putting out something for any number of reasons. But, you know, I, I've never had a publisher say, no, we're not interested. So it looks like it's already on itch. So do you think it's better to, uh, uh, for like looking for a publisher point of view to like just, um, instead of early access, have like closed beta and then just like people have people in your discord sign up for closed beta. So it's not like you can't just go on steam and get it. You have to go through a whole process. <clears throat> I'm not going to say it's better because they both have pros and cons. They go along with them. Um, it's going to get you more feedback and, and more answers from your target target market, but it's not going to get you any, you know, any, any big marketing push because it's still a closed beta. Right. But I, I mean, also from the perspective of a potential publisher, no, a closed beta isn't going to hurt you with a, with a publisher. The main reason that publishers, some publishers, not all publishers, the main reason that some publishers have a negative view of early access is because the game is already out there in the wild. In and some, they, they missed that whole first big push. Yeah. But I mean, frankly, that's a, I, I don't remotely agree with that mentality because it, it, we're past the point in the industry where you have to do three to six months or a triple A case, nine to 12 months of, you know, hype to magazines and to websites before your game launches. It's, it's equally as important to have ongoing market and content and stuff like that after the game launches to keep the game fresh, to keep people coming in. You know, that mentality to me is antiquated as much as we can say that, you know, in an industry that's been doing this for, for 30 or 40 years and a, a digital distribution industry that's barely over a decade old, that's just not the reality anymore. You know, you not only have to do that marketing and user acquisition push early in, in development and up to launch, but you have to continue doing it after launch. And because you have to continue doing it after launch, it really doesn't matter if the game's already in early access, if anything, it's going to give you a barometer on the popularity of the game and you can see the feedback and that sort of stuff. But it's not, you know, if I was running a publishing company again, 
which I don't want to do. But if I was, I wouldn't have any qualms with early access games. I would be more likely to specifically target games that are in early access because I can already see what some of the feedback is. Oh, Nightwolf has something else here. Uh, uh, well, would publishers or hiring studios devalue itch.io games or support a large portfolio on itch.io versus one to three published on Steam, only small games when coming to your reputation, skill, and trustworthiness? That's a good question, Nightwolf. It's, it's not something that they're going to... I don't think it's one or the other, although it's difficult because if you have a small launch on Steam and the publisher goes and looks at it and you are, your reviews are in that dreaded mixed range or below, that's going to hurt you. If you've got two or three games that are out on itch already, you know, it's it's not. I mean, they want to. They're going to want to see what the feedback is and what the ratings are. But I don't know that they're. I can't say that they would devalue it. So one of the things that we that to put your mind in the in the world of a publisher. At the end of the day, their biggest concern is: Are you going to finish the title and get it out there? You know, because whether they put in no money up front or $10 million up front, they're not going to get anything out of it unless it actually ships. And that's why you see a lot of publishers that don't want to do development funding and don't want to do minimum guarantees and things like that. Because at the end of the day, they aren't sure that's going to happen. You know, so they want as little risk as possible. And anything that you can show a publisher in terms of, here is something that we worked on and we released and it's out there is going to help alleviate that concern. Does that answer your question, Nightwolf? It's so weird. I almost wish we could do these things with like just people ask. Yeah. Raise your hand and, and do voice. Now, Hitoshi says, I can relate to having a Discord server. But man, that can be big time-consuming task, isn't it? Maybe do something smaller first, like email list or managing Twitter. Well, Discord server is like really the hub of where you want everyone. You want to guide everyone from your email list and your Twitter to your Discord, because I, then then that's 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 where you can manage everything. So, Ahmad, you you went this from the the other angle, and you started on social media first what do you think because to me i'll I'll put my two cents in managing a discord server isn't as hard as managing social media but But here's the thing like for me honestly there is a couple of applications that you can use as a git developer to really help your social media outreach uh for example there's one called buffer i think where you can schedule that's what i do i schedule my posts from here to two weeks it takes me about one hour i put all the screenshots with the description with hashtags for uh, youtube linkedin not youtube sorry facebook linkedin instagram and that stuff and just let it be and that's social media in one hour i I covered two weeks of content so social media is actually not bad once you get the hang of it and uh, 
if I may add to the concept, in my opinion, I think having a website is also extremely important, which is why I started that a long time ago. And through the website, I collect the, the I have the mailing list. It, it has about 700 people in it right now. And I send them a couple of emails a month, updates about the game, what to do. Here's the, the, the trailer, have a look at it. Feedback, promos, if you want to be in the closed beta, sign up here. So it's, it's a mix of everything. Yeah, it's, it's all time consuming. So I think just if you're a one-man team, just go with the flow and try to try to find tools that cut the time of these of these time-consuming tasks. All right, and I will but say Discord. Discord, I don't have much experience in it, honestly speaking. Sorry, go ahead. What was that? Yeah, I'm saying Discord. I don't have much experience in it, honestly. For an indie studio that is run by one person and has not launched a game yet. 700 people on your email list is fantastic. That That's a... Because that's I started it three years ago. Following. You started it three years ago. I know, but still, you know, that's a that's a solid following, you know, to have, because the main thing, it's not, how, not when you started it, but it's the fact that <clears throat> you're not going in and you have a, a base in general. So... You know, when we talk about building email lists, we always talk about the lead magnet. And so our lead magnet, if you go to our site, the little thing pops up, says, do you want our list of 700 publishers? And we put it out there because it's beneficial, but also it helps us grow our email list and our newsletter. And, you know, being having that thing where you're saying, OK, sign up for the newsletter and you're going to update on the game and, and close beta. That's a much harder sell. It's not like your Larian Studios who can say, hey, look, we did all these Divinity games. Now we're doing Baldur's Gate 3. And if you want Baldur's Gate 3, sign up yeah. for our email list. That's that's an easy win. But I mean, you've got a much harder you know, road to climb being a new studio and being you know, one person doing everything. So I don't want to discount the fact that 700 people on your mailing list, even if it's three three years in, that's good. That That's not that's nothing to Thank you. Thank you very much. And also, just um, if I may add, when it comes to the marketing aspect, from my own experience, showcasing the game at conventions has been a huge, huge thing. Because uh, three and a half years ago, when I first got my first prototype out, like ready to be played, I had no idea if the game is worth investing in. I didn't know if the game is worth putting the effort in. And that's what I showcased it for the first time ever at a convention. And people were interested. They, they were like, well, like, where can I sign up? Where can I put my email? And jump to the next year. The, the demo was more polished, and I'm like, let's. And I guess that's what happens sometimes. Okay, good. That's not just me. Yeah, no. Right. Not to, not to rain on that parade of like I went to a I went to a conference and everyone loved my game, but I have heard many many instances of they're like yeah we would go take our game to a conference and everybody loved it and everybody played it and people were lined up and then they went to sell their game and nothing happened, right? I mean sure it feels good to go to a conference and everyone checks out your game, and I don't mean to like totally rain on his parade or anything, but I ha that has happened. Multiple times. It, it does. There's that. Uh, there's that episode of. And, and while we're waiting for him to catch up, let me see if I can't pull it up. Uh, we got a question, real quick. I can do that. Um, okay. 
Well, there's a couple questions. First one is, uh, do you need to engage with an email list so that people don't forget about it? And then another question is, and this is an easy one for you. Do you think virtual conferences will be the new marketplace? All right, let's go with the first one. You need to engage with the email list. So, okay. I mean, here's the reality, John. That email list doesn't do you any good if you're not talking to them. And at the same time, if you're not going out there and talking to them and they're not you know, fully engaged and responding, then it's not doing you any good either. And so that's why you know, unsubscribes from your email list aren't necessarily a horrible thing, unless you're getting like a 20% or even truthfully like a 10% unsubscribe list, you know, there's no point in having that list if you're not using it to, to sell or to educate or to whatever your goal is. So people aren't going to forget about it because I can't remember ever unsubscribing to an email list that I'd just had gone, well, I haven't heard from this email list in, in two months. I'm going to unsubscribe to it. Generally, it's, you know, emails come in and they're too frequent or it's stuff I don't care about or it's some politician, you know, whatever. And that's the ones I unsubscribe from. And when you get the unsubscribes, don't take it personally. Don't take it too bad. That's somebody who wasn't interested. They're of no value to you anyway. You know, so don't worry about it. But yeah, I mean, you need to engage your email list to keep it healthy and you need to engage it to actually do the things that you meant it to do as an email list. Hey, Mark, I, I, I love my PR and uh, publisher email list that I get different games all the time. Sometimes it's a little too much of the same thing, but you know, I, I love getting those. I'm like, yeah, let's see what this company has right now going on or this one. Indie Game Business has one of the longest-running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all their speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. All right. So I'm, I'm am I still on? Yeah, you're on. Yeah. You are. Yeah. You, you cut out for a minute and, and now it's you're on. It's on because I'm still seeing you and hearing you, but it's, it's weird. But anyway. Uh, if I may add on that point, yes, you do make a very good point. People will definitely blow smoke up your, you know what, when it comes to showcasing your game, they're going to be like, oh, it's such a great game, people are lining up, and then it doesn't sell. I do agree with you, which is why I decided to take it a step further and open the concept of reordering the game in the convention. And that oh, was like two years idea. ago. That's a yeah, good Yeah, so idea. I, I, to see who's serious and who's not. And I was genuinely surprised when people actually reordered the game. That, that was two years ago and the first time I opened the reorder concept. Not many people, about 20, but that's that's not bad for a two-day event. No, and, well, and, and there you've got people who are, you know, putting their money where their mouth is and they're actually pre-ordering it. That's 
that's extremely valuable. All right, so I'm but, gonna, but I also guess it, it, for, exactly. it depends on like you know if it costs you five thousand dollars to go to a conference and rent a booth and da da da, and then you get twenty pre-orders. I'm not sure there's value. Our conferences here are, are like are much cheaper. No, it right. doesn't go within that range of renting yeah. a booth, honestly. Yeah, but like to go to GDC or something for a game developer, it's easily. Oh no, no, I'm speaking about brand. local conventions here. Like oh, we have okay, Comic Con yeah. and Gamescom having here in the country. Nice, so my nice. investment is not very high. Nice. All right. So the so going to your point about people telling you that your game is great. This episode of a show called Magic for Humans on uh, on Netflix. The what they did was that they had it's kids, and so but it, but it's still a, a very accurate glimpse into what happens. They had a singer on television, and they said, Okay, we want you to rate or review the singer, you know, based on, on, on her audition here. And it wasn't good, I mean, it wasn't, it was intentionally not good. Okay. And, the kids were brutal, you know, they, in their feedback, <laughs> uh, you know, it's horrible, you know, she doesn't need to do it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he read, he, he took the, the results. It was like four kids. He took the results and, you know, read them back. It was just him and the kids in, in a room. And so then he goes, okay, I got a surprise for you. She's actually in the other room. And so he brings her in. He says, okay, now I want y'all to give her, you know, the same feedback that you gave me and all the kids just like broke. <laughs> and it was like, uh, well, yeah, you know, we thought it was okay. We kind of liked it. And it, it goes to show the difference, you know, between people being nice because you're standing there. Yeah. Yeah. People actually really, if they, if you, if they come and play the game at an event and then they actually pre-order it, then yeah, you got them. You know that that's that's what you want. But you know, otherwise, you you can't. You have to take in person feedback with a giant grain of salt because, you know, humans aside from sociopaths and and people like me, have a problem telling someone to their face that you know, I don't like it. You know, oh yeah, I, I've had many people tell me the game is shit. It's it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> that also happened. Like it's it's not very rare. <laughs> but you just you just have to filter it and see like because most of the time, honestly speaking, like the way, when I got that feedback, fifty percent of the time it was because the person is completely like out of his mind and he didn't even try the game. He was just like completely rude. And the other half, they were completely honest, and I traced the problem back to my game design and how I introduced the game, and I, and I refurbished the whole demo again. And the, the the problems that made people not like the game initially faded away. So every year, it kept getting better and better and better and better. Because, in my opinion, well, that's why I love the game design aspect the most out of the whole development thing. It's because it has a huge impact. No matter what your graphics are, your mechanics, whatever they are, as long as the game designed it, if it's not all right, if you're not training the player correctly to the mechanics, your game will absolutely fail. I agree. All right, so uh, what was the other question, Andy? Uh, do you think virtual conferences will be the new marketplace? 
All right, you know I'm biased. That's from Smog the Cat on YouTube. I don't. I mean, no time soon. You know, there is still very much a, you know, a need to get out and and show your stuff in public. You know, and I mean, you could, you could argue that virtual conferences are already the new marketplace if you define virtual conferences by Steam as a marketplace. You know, there's a there's a lot of range in there but the question in my mind and, and one that i always pose back to developers is, is exactly what just you know ahmad just said it's not getting on a plane and flying halfway around the world and dropping 10 grand to be able to show your game to people at gdc or even packs for that you know matter which isn't going to cost you as much but it's still not cheap it's going to the local ones and, and making sure it's something that's affordable. Like Dan said, you know, if if you go and you dropped five grand to go and showcase at an event and you sold 20 copies, I didn't that didn't pencil. That that didn't make sense for you. But if you're not spending that much money and it's something locally or or regionally, you know, that's when yes, it it does make sense. And you are going to sell units. You're not going to sell nearly as many as you are you know, on a, you know, on a global scale, but, you know, you do, there is a good benefit out of that. And Hatoshi is a great point is look at the reactions when playing, you know, and don't say a word. And so what virtual system does that for free streamers, watch streamers play your game, especially ones that have a camera on their face. You know, that's how you're going to get feedback. You can see exactly what they're doing. You can see where their frustration is, you know, and, and, and it's not costing you anything. I think a mod's chopping again. Yeah, he's locked up again. It, it, it's, the, it's the pipes going from, you know, UAE over here to the US are getting clogged mm. right now. That that's a that's probably what it is. It's coronavirus. So what what other questions? Well, you know, Ahmad's gonna he just popped out and now he's gonna pop back in. There we go. Night, night. Oh crap. I just accidentally removed him. There we go. Hey, sorry about that. I, I'm not I, I'm have no idea what's happening. Uh, but just to add on the point that you were saying uh, and as Hitachi commented. I actually did this in one of the conventions. I, I attached the webcam on top of the screen and I had people the, ga the gamepad and I just leave them. And I have the recording of two full days and I just went through it along with like the, the gameplay in the corner. And I went through the point where they got like stressed out what happened, they got confused and that's how I uh, fixed my game design. Yeah, yeah, so he, he does make a very valid point. And that's actually a really, really good idea. And that way you can go, because I mean, the, the other thing about conferences, and this is whether it's visual, virtual or reality wise, I mean, I have, you know, notebooks full of notes from even virtual events. You forget there's so much going on. You don't. Yes. Yes. And definitely. And sit back and look at that video later. Now, here's a here's the question, Amat. Was that video synced up to what was going on on the screen? Yes, the, the gameplay was on the 
bottom left corner while the camera of the player playing is the big one. Like, you know how streamers do it, same concept. Yeah. So I had the software set up, so the gameplay and the, the person playing are synced up completely while recording. See, yeah, that, that's that's it. That's how we... That's, that's a great we, idea. You know, focus testing back in the old days, you know, like the 90s and the early 2000s, except we had to pay companies a ton of money <laughs> to, to bring <laughs> people together and then pipe us these reactions. And now it, it's all marketing. So but, throw in a webcam and you're good to go now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's it. So, I mean, but that's, that is actually the key to it because it's like, a, yes, it's better than nothing. If you see people who are like constantly frustrated the whole time, then yeah, you got an issue, but you need to have it synced up to what they're doing to see, you know, how many clicks and, you know, was there a certain part of the game that wasn't clear, you know, and it can be very simple. I mean, case in point, my son's playing through the PS4 Spider-Man game right now. And he called me because he was having trouble on one of like the little electrical puzzle things. Yeah. And I sat down with it and I'm like, uh, I... <laughs> and then he goes, well, maybe we should go back and do the first one first. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I just jumped straight in and I opened up, you know, test number 10. And I'm like, well, typically <laughs> these things are built in a, you know, cascading level of complexity. So if you start at the first one and you learn a little bit about the mechanics and you go down, it gets it easier. And yeah, he didn't. He just jumped straight into like the tenth one. It was like, I can't figure this out. And I'm sitting there looking <laughs> I was kind of like how I played Skyrim. First time I played Skyrim, I, I just I took a left turn and I didn't even realize that you could go and get magic until like level 30. You're like, go to the dragon, kill him. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Skyrim's magic system wasn't that great in the first place, so you probably didn't miss out on all that much. Yeah, yeah but I didn't get my Fus Rodan till like level 30. Oh, you skipped all the time. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's going, he was going in with a knife. I didn't get my Fus. I didn't even know there was a Fus. So <laughs> that's the whole point. So you can hoof people off the cliff. I mean, no, I just was like fighting with swords oh, and stuff. <laughs> If I may add on the point of virtual conferences, by the way, I absolutely hate them. Just, just, what? just putting it out the window. A virtual yeah, conference is That's the. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so why do you hate virtual conferences? I don't know. When I compare them to the actual conference, I feel like the soul is not there. I don't mean to sound like too like magically around it, but meeting someone face to face is just different from the virtual one. Tell us I what just, you really think. <laughs> yeah, he's over here laughing. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You know, I, I, I'm, of course I'm going to disagree with you. I've been running digital conferences for almost two years now, but <laughs> you're not wrong. It's one of those things. I'm sorry about being completely, that's just, that's just my view. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It, it, you do miss out on that. And, you know, I miss going and seeing, you know, my friends in the industry in person as well. And yeah, you know, we can do things like this and we can interact in video chat and, and but it's still not the same. And so I do. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, I'm sorry if I said, like, I hate them. It's not hate. It's more <laughs> of like, it's more of like, eh, it's, it's not the same. Yeah, that's that's the better wording for it. This is just that face to face thing right now that you were just talking about, Jay. 
yeah, now he's backpedaling. And it's like, well, yeah. not really. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> you, you work with what now? Okay, yes, I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, suck. That's the only problem with it. The uh, <laughs> I, said, I don't disagree with you. The the benefit that the reason we started doing it was to make it easier for developers like you and Hitoshi to meet some of these publishers. Exactly my point. Yes, that's that's the balls. <laughs> There's a lot of balls in it. I hundred percent agree with you. Being able to go to whatever convention in the, in the other part of the world and just opening the screen and logging in and talking to people that's that's amazing. But it's just the the face to face interaction is it's unreplaceable in my opinion. And, and getting a, a beer with your friends and, and all of that sort of stuff it's, as well. I mean, no, I, yeah, it, it's not, I don't ever think we're going to, at least in the short term, see situations where, you know, live conferences no longer take place and we're all, you know, ready player wanting into, you know, the, these virtual landscapes. It's not in the near future. You know, now, if, COVID keeps, you know, doing laps around the planet and we all get to the point where we can't get within six feet of each other for eternity, then it might be a problem and we might need to solve it quicker. But oh, yeah. always, yeah, I mean, that is a reality. You're always going to, you know, need, we're, we're people. We need to be around other people. But at the same time, it's a hell of a lot cheaper and a hell of a lot more accessible to get on a Zoom call than it is to, you know, fly. <laughs> to fly all the way, get the visa, get the booth, get the hotel. Yes, I 100% agree with you. Definitely, definitely. And that, that's helped me out a lot in meeting a number of really nice companies with a, with a couple of conventions that I attended. So I 100% agree, yeah. All right, so... Um, Nightwolf says, uh, are, are you sure in the near future we'll be able to be done in VR chat? I think there's there's been some VR chat conferences. Yeah, but you're still the thing about VR chat is now you've gone from putting your audience based on geography or you know budget in a live event to limiting it on a virtual basis based on connection or time of day or you know all the all the hurdles that we fight in the virtual conference realm. When you do virtual reality, now the only people that are going to be able to go to your show are people with virtual virtual reality headsets, which if you're doing a VR AR conference, there you go, knock it out, run with it. That's, that's all you got to do. But uh, until as many people have VR access as they have mobile phone access, you know, it's not, you're, you're, you're not getting, you're not reaching enough people. The install base is far too, far too low. But, but there have been VR conferences already. Yeah, there have been. Right. But, that's what he's saying. Would it be able to be done in VR chat? And it, yeah, it, it has. It, it's been done in VR chat. Yeah, I mean, but, because quite literally, most of the stuff that you see in Ready Player One in the book or in the movie, aside from licensing issues, we have that tech. You know, there are haptic bodysuits. There are treadmills that run in all these different directions where you can do all the stuff that you need to get done. Now, you're probably looking at ten, twenty thousand dollars or more, in, and it's super primitive. Yeah, in, in equipment, but yeah, 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 it it does technically happen, but it's not. You know, the, the thing about a conference, no matter what industry you're in, is it's about the ability to bring a lot of people interested in, you know, whatever the conference is about together, and you want 
as many people there as possible so they can share ideas and network and meet and all this stuff. And we're nowhere near doing that on an effective level unless your conference is literally for people who have VR headsets. I actually was recently contacted by someone who works with the Dubai government, and they would like to run a VR conference for game for game developers. So the points you make are valid. And what I suggested to them is that, how about the conference being a hybrid? That you can actually do it in VR, and you can do it as a like a normal video game. So where you chose your avatar and you walk through the conference. So this way you can attract both the VR audience and the normal audience. And I told them, like, how about you sell uh, like a, a bundle that comes with a VR headset, like the Quest, for example. Like, I suggested these type of things to them. So I believe it's it's possible, but for now, I think we might need to go with a hybrid concept of VR plus normal at the same time. For sure. Yeah, I agree. So at the real conference, then, would we have a, like a bunch of robots on wheels going around with the cameras? So that would that symbolize the person, or how would they be doing about and doing their meetings? They have oh, an avatar. No, I mean, like the, the VR experience can be played without a VR headset. That's that's the what I mean. Oh, 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 oh. it's just like a first-person shooter. Exactly. Yes. I thought you were talking about hybrid in the sense that you know we had people at a real conference and people that were there at VR at the same time. Oh, that's a that, that, double hybrid. In that case, you should have said like, "What the hell, man? That's a bad idea." Then, if you find the robot or the person that you don't like, you just like knock it over, and there's nothing they can do about it. You know, right. <laughs> put a stick in the wheel. Hi, Ali, and welcome, day, Indy. <laughs> I stuck you in a corner, put a brick behind your wheel. Yeah. Um, this is awesome. So we've like already gone an hour and a half. Indy, you're probably gonna have to break this one up into two, you know, episodes. Um, but nah, two forty-five minute ones will like be absolutely nice. fantastic. And so the other thing that I was gonna say, oh, Toshi yeah. brought up a a good point about you know Chris had said that you know he did the experiment where he was recording people's reactions as they were shopping on Steam. Um. If you want to do something, I would say go to the Discord. And if you want to do something like that, we have channels for developers seeking streamers and streamers seeking developers. I would highly encourage you to seek out some streamers and say, look, here's a key to the game. Even I want to watch you play. I want you to I want to watch you play it so I can see what your frustrations are. Hello. Was it was that like you know completely bad idea? Was there no no okay all right anyway? So uh and, and hi Ali. Uh I'm <laughs> John says, are there bodysuits that let you feel touch? I would I, I don't the, even the, the first question is why do you want it? <laughs> uh the, what kind of touch do you want to feel exactly? I guarantee you <laughs> guarantee you there is a haptic suit out there. That somebody in the porn industry is using. Bum, bum, bum. If that's what you're asking, <laughs> Google it now. When I Google it, uh, <laughs> then you Google yourself. Um, yeah. Just, just don't share the screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Uh, There's a a preview from uh, this haptic suit lets you touch and feel virtual reality. It's uh, it's from February of last year. That sounds sketchy. And here's one that is just like absolutely ripe for a lawsuit. It's called the Tesla suit. So, yeah, I'm not crazy. These things are already out there. Whether or not they work or not might be a completely different thing, but um, I mean, yeah, they're out there. Yeah, pretty soon, they're going to be all over. I'm Reaction fall wetsuit. Yep. All right. Uh, it's, I, it's, I bet it doesn't feel that good. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. I'm telling you, it's going to it's going to start off with a very uh, dedicated player base. Uh, <laughs> uh, Amon. Dude, thanks for for staying up late and for hanging out with us today, man. This no, no, thank you for having me. It was really fun, and I appreciate it that you guys have a lot more experience than me. And you had me as a guest, as a I would say like a new person in the career. So I really appreciate your knowledge. Thank you for all the info. Well, hang out with us on the Discord server. I know you said Discord's a little wonky sometimes, you know where, where you are, but it's a great place whether you have a lot of knowledge already or you just you know need to learn something. There, there's plenty of folks there who, who are happy we'll to answer. We'll do. All righty. Andy. All right. Uh, so I'll take us out. Uh, so check it out, you guys. Uh, get get free access to the uh, speakers and sessions at the Meet to Match in Indie Game Business San Francisco Summer Edition 2020 Virtual Conference that we know someone doesn't like. Um and <laughs> I totally I'll just be there because he's a hater. So no, actually, you'll have to come and check it out. Uh, you go to indiegame.business. You can check it out there. Uh, like us on our Facebook and Twitter. Facebook is Indie Game Business, and Twitter is Business Indie. Uh, join our Discord, which we've been talking about. Discord, Discord, Discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. And listen to all of our past and future podcasts at anchor.fm indie game business, or you can just like search for indie game business and there will be a bunch of podcasts that you can find and listen to on all different platforms. Hey, if, if we can like listen to our future ones, do we need to still keep recording these or are they already out there? We can, we can, they're already, they're already out there. They're out there. We just have to record them as of yet. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this nugget in before we leave. Something I am very excited about uh, at the show. Uh, one, I mean, we, we, we said the other <laughs> thing, but Anya is going to be here from Kickstarter. She's director of games, both digital and board games. And that's the week after next, right? Oh, well, she's gonna be on the show, but she's also giving a lecture. Everything you ever want to know about Kickstarter. Um, at, at the event, mm-hmm. but I got uh, I got a thumbs up and a confirmation from my friend uh, Phil Adam that he and Jason Enos now of Intellivision are going to be doing our keynote. Phil Phil's been doing this a long time. He's got some awesome stories. I mean, he was the one at Interplay back in the day who signed Bioware and, and Baldur's Gate and all these great games. And so he and Jason are going to be doing a chat you know, at the, at the event talking about their experience and how you, you know, basically build a reputation and, you know, a network in this industry over the course of 20 or 30 years. And Mm -hmm. I am personally excited about 
that one to, to, to be there. And I'm not even going to be in it. I'm just like going to let those two riff it and tell stories because it, it's some of those folks that even, you know, even I look up to in the industry because I was playing their games long before I worked in this industry. So I'm just excited about that part. And that's on the fourth, fifth and sixth. So the keynote will be on the fourth, right? Uh, no, we're not doing the whole keynote kickoff thing. The keynote will be whichever one, wh wh wherever they want to put it. Okay. I, I don't have the staff to be like really building tracks of talkers. It's like we, everybody gets access to the Google, hang, the Google calendar and the speakers get to pick their own time because they're coming from all over the world. So I don't want to tell somebody they need to be up at like 5 a.m. And, and giving a lecture. It's like, hey, find the time that works for you. And, right. but Tickets are, if you just want to come and hang out and listen to the lectures and ask questions, even more important, you know, they're all going to be, all these things are going to be Q&A. Uh, the ticket's free. It's absolutely free. Just go sign up, get your ticket, and you're, you're good to go. Excellent. All right. <laughs> thanks so much, Ahmed. And thanks, Jay. No uh, well, we'll, we'll, this post will be, uh, this podcast will be up here pretty quick. And if you're listening to the podcast, well, it's already up. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good weekend. Uh, wear your face mask. Thank you, Ahmad. Keep in touch and keep us posted. I wish listed the game a little while ago, so we're good. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And have a good day, I think, or not night. Yeah. Afternoon. It's like, it's <laughs> morning it for me, afternoon for him. <laughs> and night for me. So we're, we're all over the world. All righty. Y'all have a good weekend. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business. <laughs>